Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Katie, for praying with us. And good morning also from the Netherlands, from where I'm joining you. Actually, um, I was just sitting downstairs with my family, uh, joining with you in worship. And uh, now I moved upstairs. As you can see, I'm in a beautiful meadow right now, um, which is my, um, my background for the time being. So today we are continuing our series in the book of Exodus. And today's, the title of today's preach is God Calls to Holiness. So today, of course, is the day of Pentecost, or as we say in the Netherlands, in Dutch, Pinksteren. Now don't unmute yourself, but you might want to try and say this out loud with me, Pinksteren. So today we are going to look at Exodus, um, but also we're going to draw some connections between the story of the people of Israel in Exodus and the story of Pinksteren, of Pentecost, and what it means for us as followers of Christ today. Last week, Andy spoke to us from chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. And this week, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 21, 22, and 23, until verse 19, which is quite a lot. And this comes right after Moses has received the Ten Commandments, or not received them on the tablets yet, but God spoke to him about it. And in this portion of scripture, God kind of elaborates on those commandments, if you will. So we will read what is going to be called the Book of the Covenant. And we won't have time to read through it all today. But um, if you want to take some time to go through all the verses, then please go to our Facebook group. Um, I've recorded a video earlier this week with some friends from Christ First. Uh, where we read through all the chapters together. So for today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some specific laws of the Book of the Covenant. Now, the Book of the Covenant included uh, a lot of case law, casuistic law, and that's laws for specific situations or incidents or occurrences. So, for example, if one of your sheep is stolen or... If your livestock wanders about and starts to graze in somebody else's field, what do you do? So it's really, really practical, really concerns things from everyday life when they've reached the promised land. Also some things until that time, by the way. And there's some more serious incidents included as well, like what if two people quarrel with one another and a pregnant lady gets injured? Or what if a case comes before the judges, what do you do then? when you testify or your witness. So in my NIV, at least, there's about 41 phrases in these books, starting with if, which is for a specific situation. If this happens, this is what you do. Probably should have showed you this already. So there we have it again. About 41 instances of casuistic laws, starting with if, then do this, or don't do that. And now we will look at some of these laws in more detail. And one of them is this. Do not mistreat a foreigner. I've picked this one because it's one of the very few, if not the only one, of the case laws in the Book of the Covenant that appears twice. So in Exodus 
chapter 22, verse 21, it says, do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner, for you were foreigners in Egypt. And in chapter 23, verse 9, do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners, because you were foreigners in Egypt. So, as we know, and as we have seen earlier in the book of Exodus, the people of Israel have been in Egypt living as foreigners for a long time, and they've been forced into slavery and mistreated by the Egyptians for a very long time. They have now been let out of that situation with all the signs and the wonders and the plagues. But what could happen with a people that is delivered from a situation of oppression is that they themselves could turn oppressive to others. And God makes it clear by repetition that he does not want that for his people. There are numerous laws concerning strangers who are journeying along with the Israelites and how they should treat them. And God does not want the Israelites to mistreat these foreigners in the way they were mistreated back in Egypt. Now, we've already touched upon this in this service and, and Katie uh, touched upon this in, in her prayers as well, very beautifully. But as I was preparing this and reading these verses, of course, I was also reminded of the story of George Floyd, this young African-American man who passed away earlier this week in a case of, by the looks of it, is violent police brutality. Now, since this is a family service, I won't go into details um, about what happened and I'm sure you're familiar with this as it's been all over the news. Quite frankly, I couldn't even bring myself to watch the footage because it's just horrible. But what's worse is that this is a recurring problem in the world today. It's in the United States, of course, but there's plenty of stories like this of racism and discrimination in the UK and in the Netherlands and elsewhere in the West as well. And I read a news article about this culture of silence that exists within some places of the American police force, like people keeping this under the rug. And that, well, it just upholds this institutionalized racism, really. So I was reading about that and just the list of people who passed away because of this, because of situations like this. Just the length of it, it sent a shiver down my spine, honestly. So we've got Rodney King from the LA riots that came from that. There's Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Tamir Rice, Walter Scott, Freddie Gray, Laquan McDonald, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, Amoud Arbery. That's just a few weeks ago, earlier this month. It happened while he was just jogging, and now George Floyd. The policemen who were at the scene, they have all lost their jobs, they've been fired. The officer who was involved is arrested. But as we have seen, even last night, there were riots in Philadelphia and other places in America. And one representative 
in the United States, in American Congress, said this. This is Representative Al Green. I rise to say, Mr. Speaker, that black lives do not matter as much as white lives, because if black lives mattered as much as white lives, Mr. George Floyd would still be breathing. If black lives mattered as much as white lives, Mount Arbery would have finished his jog. Black lives do not matter as much as white lives. Why? Well, because we tolerate hatred, bigotry, and invidious discrimination. We tolerate it, and because we tolerate it, we allow it to be perpetuated. Now, what we read from this passage in Exodus is very clear that this is not tolerated by God. Slavery isn't abolished. There's laws about how to treat slaves, how uh, Hebrew servants are still their master's property. So there's no abolishment of that here. But the Israelites cannot do with foreigners as they please or with perceived foreigners. I mean, I mentioned the George Floyd case with this, but the reality is people like George Floyd, African-Americans, aren't even foreigners. They are US citizens. Now, in the West, in history, we did our bit of forcing others into slavery. Even my own country, the Netherlands, has been heavily involved in this global slave trade. And there were preachers at the time who could justify this very well, even pointing to the scriptures. There's an important conversation there about the role of the church back then. Just like there's an important conversation that we should have about what the church should do now. What we as Christians ought to do now. And this is where I want to draw our attention to the day of Pentecost as well. Because what happened at the day of Pentecost, well, I'm sure many of us are familiar with it. You have these spectacular things like the Holy Spirit descending upon the disciples gathered together like tongues of fire on their heads. And how there's this sound like a violent wind, a rushing wind that fills the entire room. But there's something that's just as amazing that happens then. So we'll turn to Acts 2, starting at verse 6. That's the wrong page. There we go. When they heard this sound, that's the people standing outside the room, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language. Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. There were people there from all nations under heaven. Let's not forget how amazing it is that the Holy Spirit, when he falls, 
then people from all over the place hear a declaration of the wonders of God in their own language. Now that astounded them. It amazed them and it caught their attention to what was going to happen next. Some of them said the disciples are filled with wine, but it became clear soon enough that this was not drunkenness, or if it was drunkenness, it was drunkenness on the Holy Spirit, but this was not an alcoholic beverage. This was the Holy Spirit immediately showing that the good news is good news to all. And we as Christians believe that one day there will be a mass gathering of people from every tribe and every tongue before the throne of God. And as early as Exodus, God was already clear that his people then and now are not to mistreat those of other nations. Then there's something else from the Book of the Covenant that we should look at. And this is a call to holiness. So this looks a bit different from all the what-if laws that we find in the rest of the book. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 13, it says, Be careful to do everything I have said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods. Do not let them be heard on your lips. And this sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Because in the Ten Commandments, it already said, Andy mentioned it last week, you shall have no other gods before me. And after mentioning the Ten Commandments, but before going into detail in the Book of the Covenant, God mentioned it again to Moses and to the people, do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourself gods of silver or gods of gold. This is no what-if scenario. In this situation, you should do this. This is something that should pervade everyday life. This is a general commandment. Do not invoke the names of other gods. And apparently it's important enough to be repeated again and again and again. Well, part of the reason for that could be, again, that the people of Israel had just come out of a situation that they had been stuck in for generations. They have been slaves to the Egyptians and they have maybe even had to construct some of their temples because the Egyptians worshipped a plethora of gods. And now that they've been let out of that situation and are on their way to the promised land, they need to learn how to live their lives on their own. They are not their own masters. They are to serve God. But there's many questions about their identity, about how to go about living together as a nation, how to treat one another, how to treat foreigners, and also what gods to worship. Well, what gods? There's only one that they ought to worship, namely the God who brought them out of Egypt. So there's no making any visual reproductions or replications of God. There's no lesser gods that they should include in their daily worship or gods for specific things like gods for the cattle or a god for the rain or a god for the family or a god for you name it. 
there is only one God whom they should worship. And the Israelites are to be fully and only his. You know, Christ first family, I would have loved to see you in person. I mean, I'm preaching to a green light on my laptop for my webcam. I would have loved to be there with you right now and just speak this to you with all you guys in the same room. We haven't been allowed to go out much in the Netherlands either, just like in the UK due to the lockdown, which is necessary because of the health risk. And I think we should count ourselves blessed to have these digital means to come together as a church anyway. But now that we've been in this for a few months, I think it is important that we ask ourselves a question. I mean, our church is called Christ first. It's good to wonder from time to time, is Christ still first in my life? There's so many digital things at our disposal, streaming services. Maybe our Netflix account has been becoming more and more important to us over the past few months. What are the things that you have been devoting your time to more and more? Maybe even devoting yourself to? Is it watching movies online? Is it maybe spending time on social media? God said, you shall have no other gods before me. It's good to honestly ask ourselves, is this true for me? Is Christ first? Or is there maybe a rival deity, God, that has become more and more important. A God that I worship by devoting my time and myself, my efforts, my enjoyment to. Has something started to occupy all that? Well, God calls his people then and now to be fully his and only his. And not just that, God calls his people to be a holy people. He does so explicitly in Exodus chapter 22. You are to be my holy people. And after all these commandments, all these casuistic laws have been mentioned to them in the book of the covenant, the people of Israel said, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. They pledged themselves to this. They committed themselves to God in response to a God committing himself to them. Now, as followers of Christ, knowing the story of how Jesus came and bore our sin on the cross, which is thousands of years from this Exodus narrative, we might say we live under a new covenant, a covenant that in a way is a lot different from the covenant in Exodus, which is true. But don't make the mistake, or let's not make the mistake, to think, Whew, there were a lot of laws back then. Am I glad that we're free from all of that now? Because yes, there is a definite and life-changing freedom to the new covenant, but at the same time, it is not devoid of law. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. 
And the call to holiness from God is resounding in the words of Jesus and even in the writings after the Gospels in the New Testament. You know, the people of Israel, they were called to holiness as God was dwelling near the camp in a pillar of fire and in a cloud. And later on, they built the tabernacle and God's presence descended into the tabernacle that they took along with them. More later on, when they arrived in Canaan, in the Promised Land, eventually King Solomon built a temple, a grand building where God's presence rested and where they would come to worship. And they were called to holiness in part to uphold this, to be pure so that a God who could not stand in purity could still be with them in a way. Now for followers of Christ, the situation has changed. Well, a lot of ha has happened since this time of Exodus. But in a way, the situation is no less demanding for us now. Because you see, it's not that we need to uphold a certain degree of holiness because God's presence is resting in a building nearby, like down the street or a building in the city center. In the New Covenant, we learn that God's Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. That we ourselves are a temple of the Holy Spirit, as Paul writes in his first letter to the Corinthians. Now, our very body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and we ought to honor God with it. Now, that is a glorious reality. But at the same time, the implications of it are staggering. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Literally, this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. You know, at the day of Pentecost, when Peter preaches to this gathered crowd, at the end of his speech, the people there are cut to the heart, it says in Acts 2. And they ask Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replies, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have received the Holy Spirit from God. It is an invitation, a promise that is extended to all. And because we have received the Holy Spirit from God, that means we are not our own. There have been people in, in the past who have taught that the Holy Spirit will actually leave us when we are defiling ourselves, that he will not remain in one body with another spirit, a spirit of uncleanness or a spirit that is not wholly, wholly devoted to God. Now, that is a different debate. But the truth is there is something about the Holy Spirit that doesn't just bring about spectacular utterances of tongues or a peace of mind, even though that is something that is so important in this trying time. 
The Holy Spirit truly lives up to his name. He is a Holy Spirit. And he wants to bring about holiness in our lives. Even if we have been followers of Christ for quite a while. The Holy Spirit is a gift that all of us can receive or have already received. Now, I've been baptized quite a while ago, a few years. I've actually been baptized as an infant as well, so that's even longer ago. I believe that the Holy Spirit is living within me. And I would like to say that he has done a lot of work. But to be honest, sometimes I look at my life and at myself and I wonder if I truly believe, if I truly believe and acknowledge that the spirit of the living God is alive and at work in me, that should lead me to continuously grow in grace. In an awareness of grace that God extended to myself, but also in grace towards others and in patience with them. It should lead me to grow and to want to grow in a desire for the things of God's kingdom rather than my own little kingdom that I'm sometimes trying hard to build. God calls his people then and now to holiness. And on the day of Pentecost, we remember that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh, a Holy Spirit living within us, willing to help us and wanting us to grow in holiness. You know, this day of Pentecost that I keep on mentioning, we actually see the first glimpse of that in the Book of the Covenant. You see in chapter 23 from Exodus, there are three annual festivals that are being introduced. One of those is the Festival of the Harvest. It says in Exodus 23, verse 16, celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. It says, one verse before that, no one is, appear, is to appear before me empty-handed. So on the festival of harvest, or Shavuot, as they would call it, what the Israelites would do is, in the beginning of the year, they would um, tie a reed around the first fruits. The choices of the first fruits, the first ripening fruits. Then when those fruits had grown, they would cut them and place them in baskets. And not just ordinary baskets, but baskets woven of silver and gold. Then the Israelite men would carry these on their shoulder as they went, or they would load them on oxen. Oxen whose horns were gilded and laced with flowers. And they would go in a long procession towards Jerusalem. And in the cities that they came through, there would be music and festivals and people traveling with them. And then there were grand ceremonies and more celebrations as they arrived in Jerusalem. That's what the people of Israel did at the festival of harvest. And it is at the festival of harvest that the Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts chapter 2. So maybe. We could remember Shavuot for a bit. When you look back upon the year, 
what are the areas where you feel God has blessed you, or even more recently? Now, I'm aware there's this pandemic going around, obviously, but even so, maybe there's a breakthrough in your life, like something you've been praying for and hoping for for a long time and it happened. Or maybe it's not even something like that, but just you're enjoying life with your family or your job or your kids who you see growing up and being creative and just being a joy. Maybe they've created a beautiful drawing recently or something like that, something that you could show like this is the first fruit. In a way, this is the first fruit of the crops. And it is something that we can celebrate the Lord with. In later years, the Israelites would also take the time at the festival of harvest to remember the giving of the law at Mount Sinai and to recommit themselves to the Lord, just like their ancestors did in the desert. So I'm going to wrap up this preach in a minute. Shavuot came to a close yesterday. The Jewish celebrations ended on Saturday. And today, as Christians, we remember the festival of harvest, the day of Pentecost. Now, in a minute, we will um, wrap up this service, uh, maybe go into breakout rooms. Um, Andy will take it from there. But in this main room, what we will do is we will stay for prayers. And if you would like to join in prayer, you're very welcome to do so. What we will do is we can pray for the situation around George Floyd. Aaron has shared with us an article last Friday, which is a good read, by the way. Um, and it includes some prayer points. So pray for those who are grieving. Pray for justice to be done. And other things. Or maybe you would like to stay for prayers because you want to respond to the call to holiness. Maybe you feel that the Lord is bringing it in your heart to recommit yourself to him today. I would encourage you to do so as we will be here in the main room to pray for you even if you would like to share something or repent of something even. And finally, if you have time today to catch up with some people, it is a celebration today after all. So if there's something that you could say, this is one of the first fruits, something that I could celebrate the Lord with today, let's share it with one another so that as a family we can celebrate the Lord's goodness and provision, even in times like this. Mm -hmm.